you ever have um, you ever have the experience of sort of being held hostage by a person um, I don't mean literally I don't mean kidnapped or imprisoned but I almost mean that in a sense um, you're just with a person who won't let you go they won't stop talking they won't let you speak you really kind of do feel held hostage you may not you may not even be talking to them but you kind of can't you can't get away from them um, maybe you're waiting on a line somewhere and there's a person on their on their phone and they're just having like a a full-blown conversation you know and they're standing like 10 inches from the back of your head and they're just having this conversation and kind of oblivious to the fact that you don't really care about what she's or he is talking about and they're loud maybe it's in a restaurant it's like four or five tables but everybody in this area can hear this one person who isn't even at your table they're just consistent and kind of loud Maybe it's a doctor's office. Same dynamic, a room full of people. All you hear is one voice. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually it was the, the day before Easter, it was Holy Saturday afternoon. I went over to the bakery. I went over to uh, Whistle Stop in Oceanside. It's a great, great, great bakery. They got incredible cheesecake. Um, and I pull up, and there's a line out the door into the parking lot. There must have been 25 or 30 people, and I'm oh, thinking this is going to be forever. But I had to get what I had to get. I get online, and about a minute after I'm there, this woman comes up. She's now the last online. And she just proceeded to talk. Um, and I'm telling you, like, for 20 minutes. She never shut up. She never shut up. Um, she never came up for air. I, I, she just took people hostage. Um, first it was me, because I was the person right in front of her. And for about five minutes, I kind of engaged her and entertained it all. And then eventually I pretended I was getting a text on my phone and just kind of sort of turned away and it was getting crazy then she found a person right behind her and then another person and we were all online and we weren't getting off the line so you kind of couldn't not hear her at one point she started to talk about Easter and her, her church and the church service that she was going to go to and we got more information about that than anybody cared to hear about. She was telling us how much she loved her church, all that she does for her church. Then said that she, now I'm, at this point, I'm just listening. I've, I'm long done being part of the conversation, but again, I can't not hear it. She started to talk about how she used to be Catholic and then started just telling you strangers why she left the Catholic church the problems she had with us. 
Then we had to hear about all the different, the church search. She left us and went to this one and then went to another one, wasn't happy with that one, went to another one. I'm thinking she probably got thrown out of the other churches because she drove people crazy. (laughs) Until she finally found her church. And this was the line that I just, I, I, I I couldn't forget. She said, I literally, after she said this, I texted it on to, in my, my phone so I would remember it. She said, I finally found a church where I could live my truth. I could live my truth. Her truth. So what's the church supposed to proclaim? Her truth or the truth? Our truth or God's truth? Now, hopefully, most of the time, they're one and the same. Hopefully, we're on this most of the time. I mean, ideally, all the time, we're on the same page as God when it comes to truth. But I'll speak for myself. I know I'm often not. Something I want to be true, or I kind of convince myself is true, isn't. In God's world, and it's not in the churches, I think she wanted, I think this woman wanted a church to just affirm everything she believed in. A church that would say everything that she said was good, her church would say is good. And everything that she thought was not good, her church would say, you're right, not good. That's not a church. Like, that's just an ego. I want to be part of something that just agrees with me all the time. What kind of a weird club is that? It's certainly not a church. It's certainly not what Jesus intended. So I think like an interesting question maybe to ask is like, where do we go for truth? Like, where do you turn when you're looking for answers to the important questions? When life gets complicated, when it's not simple, nor black and white. You know, we get a little example of it in this first reading this morning. Most of the first readings, I think all of them since Easter, have been from the Acts of the Apostles, which is a record, kind of a history of the the early church, the church right after Jesus, after Jesus ascends to heaven. And the situation that we hear in this first reading today is uh, there was a controversy, a pretty serious one. We hear it, we probably, like, we look at it now, like, I don't know what the big deal was, but it was a really big deal 20 centuries ago. The early church, the original church, they were really pretty much all Jewish people, right? Who would become Christian. But they still had a very, very real Jewish identity. You don't just erase who you were prior. So now, so you've got these Jewish people who were now Christians. And, and the argument, the first question was, well, how are non-Jews allowed to be part of the, the church, this community? There were some who said no. There were some who was like, no, it's only, it's only for the Jewish people. 
So the church gathered the early church leaders and they said, number one, no. Like it's not just for a distinct group. The church is for everybody. It's open to everybody, Jews and non-Jews. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was, a lot of these Jewish Christians believed, well, if you gotta be Jewish to be a Christian, then you gotta follow all the Jewish laws and rules. So if I'm a non-Jew, say I was a pagan who found out about the Christians, and I'm like, hey, I wanna be part of this. Do I have to kind of become a Jew first in order to become a, a Christian and kind of do all the Jewish expectations? That's what a lot of people thought. That's what they were arguing for. They thought that was the truth. And the early church said, no, you don't, you don't, that's, you don't have to do that. You don't have to become a Jew and then become a Christian to be a Christian. So you don't have to follow the, Jew, you know, the diet rules and restrictions. You can go straight to kind of the Christian thing. And they weren't, a lot of people were unhappy with that. They didn't think that was true. It had to be hard for them to hear because they were sincere. They weren't bad people. They were just very convicted. This is really the first time that the church kind of spoke as like a, as an authority after Jesus. I mean, he was the first and the greatest. But now you get, Jesus is gone. Certainly in the flesh, he's not here anymore. So who's calling the shots? Who's going to be in charge? And you had the early, you had the apostles and those who kind of followed the apostles. But like, who's going who's gonna to make decisions when necessary? Who's going to proclaim truth? That's that's what happened here. There's a really interesting line in this reading. It's easy to miss, but we shouldn't. And it said this, after they kind of made that rule, uh, they came down, the, the decision about how to become a Christian in the Jewish thing. It says this, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you unnecessary burdens. The decision of the Holy Spirit and us. Who's us? Who's the us being referred to? It's the church. It's kind of the, the teaching authority of the church. It's a way of saying, like, the church has something to say. Because God works through the church. Because the Holy Spirit is intimately connected. Like in other words, God's truth operates through this church. Not only through the church. God's truth can operate anywhere it wants to. But we do believe in a particular way. Certainly, and, and, and at certain moments, it's like, yeah, we're like, that God really is working through the church. So we should listen up when the church has something to say. I mean, we all know people who kind of run the other way when they've got a question, and they run away. They'll, they'll run anywhere but the church. They'll seek out any other other church 
than us when they're struggling with a question. And I think probably today even more people who just, they're kind of like that woman at the bakery. They just create their own truth. How many of you saw the parts of the Johnny Depp trial? Don't even raise your hand. I don't even want to know. It was so, it was so horrible. I'm embarrassed to admit that I, I watched parts of it. Oh my God, it was just so pathetic, wasn't it? It was like a, like a, like a, a lesson on what narcissism gets you and what abuse can do. Like it was just so awful on like every way you looked and listened and turned. Amber Heard, who was Johnny Depp's ex-wife, I just I, I saw a tweet from her the other day. She had a baby. She's not married. She had a baby via surrogate. This is what she said. She had the baby for uh, oh no, she had the baby a year ago. Listen to this. I think this tweet was celebrating her daughter's one first year birthday. Four years ago, I decided I wanted to have a child. I wanted to do it on my own terms. I now appreciate how radical it is for us as women to think about one of the most fundamental parts of our destinies in this way. I hope we arrive at a point in which it is, it's normalized to not want a ring in order to have a crib. To not want a ring in order to have a crib. I wanted to do it on my terms. This is what she, how she, she described her relationship with her daughter. She said, I'm just the mom and dad, and she's the boss. <laughs> I mean, how wrong can you get? It's like literally every word she says is just like dumb and thoughtless. She's the boss and I'm the mom and the dad. My terms. Take a look at statistics which describe the effects of absent fathers on children. Like they're they're staggering. How kids who grow up in a house with an, with an absent father, and I'm not saying all kids of divorce, I'm saying kids who have absent fathers, they're at a wild disadvantage. Like, it's not even really an opinion. The stats just scream it out. The confirmation hearing for the most recent Supreme Court justice Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, she was asked to define woman. Can you provide, she said, the question was, can you provide a definition for the word woman? No, I can't. I'm not a biologist. What? Like, is this an episode of the Twilight Zone? Athletes. A biologically male college athlete 
who's saying that he's now not a, a man and he's competing against female swimmers. And he's blowing it up because he's physically bigger and stronger. And he's, and he's winning everything. Because his truth is that he is a woman. I mean, how many more of these school board meetings do we have to video or watch where parents are standing up and screaming with passion about what, what, school, school, what schools are teaching? Textbooks that are just teaching kids at like crazy young ages, stealing innocence, and teaching them untruths. Truth is truth. And hey, the church isn't always right. You don't have to look far. You don't have to go research too much to see occasions when the church just got it wrong. But it doesn't mean, but God still works through this very human church. Where do you go when you need the truth? Yeah, there's some grace. Grace. You know, again, something good that came of COVID was the church and technology, the church and social media. You know, places you can go, podcasts, websites you can go now, which explain why we teach the things we teach. And you come out of them like being like, yeah, God, like that makes sense. It's not always easy. It's not always a truth that I want to hear. But if I'm at all honest, it's like, I think that's right. Like, it's kind of based on principles that at the end of the day kind of do make sense. It's not easy, but it's true. You know, I got a text from somebody not too long ago who I, I work with, and, uh, or not, not an employee, just somebody, somebody in, in the church, we'll put it that way. And he sent me this really kind of difficult text. He was upset with me about something, and the text was like over the top, I think, kind of nasty. Okay, disagree with me, but you don't have to kind of get personal. So I was like, when I, when I read it, I was like, man, I wanted to bang out a quick response. You know, and I know, I know this much, like, you know, when you're upset, catch your breath, give it a day before you respond. Chances are your response will be a little more measured. So I knew enough to do that, and, I, and then I waited and I started to write up something. And then I asked a couple of people that I respect. <laughs> I explained the situation. I read both the text I got, the text that I was preparing to send, and in both cases they said, yeah, I, I, I tweaked this and I don't include that, but that's okay. That's a little, it's a little strong, but it's necessary strong. Here's my point. It's like, I... I we can't do this stuff ourselves. You know, we, we can't go through life thinking we're going we're gonna to figure out the answers ourselves. We have the gift of the church to help us through the questions. I'm thinking with that, I finally found a church where I could live my truth. No. God's truth. 
pursue God's truth. 